When I was um, growing up, uh, my family went to the church up the hill. It was, of course, the Church of England. My parents, uh, both from the north of England, were very proud to be Australians. But when it came to church, we went to the Church of England. Well, for me, I thought it was a rather high church. For my father, it probably wasn't high enough. Uh, One thing I do remember about the church in our neighbourhood was that we were C of E and we certainly were not Catholic. In fact, when some Irish Catholic kids came to our school, my father didn't want me to play with them. Even when my older brother recently remarried, my elderly mother suggested that she would leave him out of her will because he'd married a Catholic. As far as she was concerned, he'd changed his religion. I suggested to her that it'd be great if he had a religion. But So you can understand my confusion as I grew up. It is no wonder that in church, whenever we said the creed, I'd always leave out the bit about believing in the Catholic Church. Yes, holy and apostolic, even though I didn't know what that meant, but never Catholic. I was C of E, and I certainly didn't want anything to do with those Catholics. That, of course, has changed. As I grew up, I can say now that some of my best friends today are Catholic. That is Roman Catholic, Italian, Irish, Indian and Sri Lankan. The confusion, of course, comes from the fact that we call the Roman Catholic Church the Catholic Church, when in fact what we mean when we say Catholic, we really mean universal church. Well, our reading from John's Gospel this morning is the end of Jesus' great prayer and is where our view of the church should come from. But for a moment, for a moment, I want you to think of a great person in Australian history, somebody that you know from Australian history. If I had thinking music, I'd give you a bit of thinking music. But if you can't think of somebody, try, I don't know, Captain Cook, Edmund Barton, or even Banjo Patterson. And let's just say for a moment that they've found a box containing a whole folio of new writings. New writings from that person. And lo and behold, in amongst all this writing, in the box, they are talking about you. How would you feel? Well, that feeling is exactly the way you should feel as you read verse 20. Jesus is talking about you and me. Look at what verse 20 says. I am asking not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That is through the word of Jesus' followers that go on telling the story of Jesus around the world. 
just think about what we're part of here. 2,000 years ago, a relatively small group of Jewish men and women started sharing the story of what they had witnessed. Today, we are still sharing that story. We are those who believe in Jesus through what started 2,000 years ago. Today, I am preaching the story of Jesus. You may read the Bible or another book about Jesus. Just think about it. It's awesome. It is why we have an obligation to tell others, to invite them into this family. Think about what would happen to the church if we simply stopped telling others. It wouldn't be long before there would be no church. Well, actually, honestly, honestly don't think that would happen. I believe that the Holy Spirit wouldn't let that happen. Doesn't stop us from our obligation, though. Well, all that is great. But we really need to look at what Jesus is praying for. What are his prayers for you? What is he praying for me? and all the other followers all about. Well, it's all about being one. Verse 21. That is one holy, universal people founded on the teachings we have received down through the generations from the apostles who were with him. Jesus' prayer is about unity. And I don't just mean some sort of formal arrangement. Now, what Jesus is praying is for a unity just like the unity between the Father and the Son. Much of John's Gospel tries to explain and explore this unity just as much as the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father, we are to live lives that reflect such unity. So, our unity must cut across barriers, across lines of tradition, of race, customs, gender, age and class. But why? Well, I hope you remember two weeks ago when I spoke about loving like Jesus. Then I said that our love for each other, our unity, will reflect to the world that we are Jesus' disciples. We'll reflect a different type of community. Unity is vital if we are going to be Jesus' church. Now, I understand that people like one thing or another. It's why we have so many different denominations. Actually, I remember, I remember uh, friends of ours asking Joe once about why there are so many different Christian churches. Joe's answer was that church is a bit like takeaway food. It's all takeaway food. It's all just different flavours. So it's true. The Anglican flavour is a little bit different to the Baptist flavour and it's different again to the Pentecostal flavour and so on. But our unity of love and devotion to Jesus cannot and should not be broken. And we can't fake it. People can sense when you do that, don't they? 
when you try hard to be something you're not, it must come naturally. It's like a rhythm, a vibe that we give off. Like any human relationship, it cannot be forced or manipulated. In a world today where division has often run down some sort of so-called religious lines, Christians should be ashamed. There is no excuse not to work at the unity that Jesus is praying for. Jesus prays for this unity for one basic reason. There is only one faith. And the theme that Jesus uses for this, that his followers be with be that his followers be with him in his glory. Verse twenty four Father, I want the ones you've given me to be with me where I am. I want them to see my glory, the glory which you have given me. That's all his followers. Jesus doesn't say, I just want the Anglicans or the Baptists or the Pentecostals. I want my followers. He's praying that we will know and experience the fact that the Father has exalted him as sovereign of the world. It's a difficult statement as it goes back to an earlier in John where Jesus says that he is the way, the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Whilst this is true, it can sound a little bit arrogant, can't it? Or that we have some sort of special status by claiming this about Jesus. But on the contrary, that would be to totally misunderstand the entire gospel message, wouldn't it? You see, when Jesus is exalted, the reason, the only reason, is nothing other than love. Jesus' life and ministry has been different from others. It would only make sense then that his sovereignty would be different also. Jesus' sovereignty is not the sort that allows us to think better of ourselves than others. It is the sort of sovereignty that commits us, just as it committed Jesus, to loving service. That is what this whole prayer comes down to in the end. It is all about the Father's love surrounding Jesus and the same love surrounding all of Jesus' people, making God present to them and through them to the world. Finally, Jesus addresses the Father as righteous. The Father is the judge of all the earth. Though the world seems to work against Jesus and his followers, he will see, he will see that right will prevail. But as always in the New Testament, the justice for which we pray, the righteous judgment through which the Father expresses himself in his world, appears before us as love. That is because... Ultimately, it appears before us in the person of Jesus. It is this Jesus, this man who prayed for you and me, 
Jesus who set himself apart for the Father's glad service. That is what we saw at Easter, isn't it? It is what we have experienced ever since. I want to encourage you this time, this week. I want to encourage you this week to set aside some time. Set aside a little bit of time to read this prayer, the whole prayer, not just what we've read this morning. Chapter 17 in John's Gospel, it is a beautiful prayer, full of passion and conviction and love. You know, I often hear that the Bible is God's love letter to his people, right from Genesis to Revelation. God is calling out in love to love us and to be loved by us. Well, our reading this morning is a perfect example of that love. We are one family, one church. We are all loved by the one and only God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us long before we loved you. We thank you that we see that love through the life of Jesus, through the death of Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, help us to live in that love, in that unity. Help us to be one with each other, but one with the world, your world. Help us to bring the message of Jesus, the one true God. Help us to bring that to those around us. In Jesus' name. Amen.